Dear Lord, thank you so much for the, the opportunity and the privilege to get into your word. And uh, pray that you would be with us during this time that uh, we study a different method of, of uh, our approach to reading your word, that it would be vibrant and something that we can take away and, and feast off of. Lord, um, just thank you for the blessing that you're about to give us, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. All right, the, 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 last, the last lecture that we're going to talk on, longitudes and latitudes, is, um, before I get in here, it's, a lot of times you'll read a passage of Scripture, and you'll, it'll give you like a number, or it'll give you a town, or it'll describe a person, and you, you'll, you'll, you, might, you might not even, it might not register with you, or you might just say, oh, I wonder why that's there, and then continue on. Well, what we're going to do is uh, look at an approach on how, how to address that to see if we can get a, uh, uh, something more out of a, a passage or a text. Many times I've found, not all the time, but more times than not, I've found that when I've read passages that just made no sense to me, that if I took the time and studied the details or the things that I didn't think were important, it, it, it comes into focus and it makes sense. Because here's what I know. God is perfect, He is holy, and He loves us. So anytime I read something that makes me think that that might not be true, I'm the problem. I'm just straight up the problem. And so I, I believe that if we are aggressive in trying to get understanding, that we can, uh, we can, we can find that. So we're going to talk about a, a couple of uh, options. Again, I want to start off before um, we get into this Bible study, I always pray first. Always pray first for clarity, uh, for understanding as you get into the Word. And then um, here's a, a prayer method that I use. And th this is really actually more of my personal prayer um, devotional life. It isn't necessarily, I, I, I don't hope to come off like this is my, when I'm about to study the Bible prayer method. This is, um, I don't really have that. I don't have the, um, I'm about to get into the Word, now focus me there. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I, I just want to prepare my heart because I believe that if, if I ask God to clean me up and, and, and clear my mind, then he, he can give me the blessing. So, uh, and, and then I, I go through that by uh, praising him first, then I go through confession, and then I ask, I ask prayers for others, and then I, I, I beg him to let me abide with him today, and then I thank him for what he's about to do. So this is, uh, I don't know, I kind of call it the trivia method. I, I, I don't know if that's a good name or not. Feel free to rename it. I'm okay with that. Uh, but um, here's what we're going to do. You read a passage and identify trivial points, like towns, numbers, colors, dates, things like that. And you say, okay, you know, identify what in, in, for further study on that. So then what, you're, what you do is... Uh, Read what happened just before the story, and then compare it to different accounts if possible. That's one of the blessings of the, of the Gospels is uh, many times one author, like say Matthew, will write about it one way, and then Mark will say something different, and then it, it brings in more details and more understanding. So you want to do a little more research on that. Um, use resources like concordance, maps, speed of prophecy to find reasons why these Part of these points are included in the text. I just want to take a little bit to talk to you about that. Um, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of things here that I'm going to just get out of 
And uh, for instance, Ellen White writings, ooh, which, why is it not there? Um, it's not, I'm not seeing it. Is it coming? There we go. Okay, Ellen White's writings. Um, this is a program that I have. They're, they're selling at ABC, I think, 1999, maybe 15. Uh, 1999. It's free, and you have all the writings on your computer. And, I, and some of you are like, yeah, I know that. That's been out for a while. Okay. But I was just saying it's, 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 uh, it's a very, I mean, it's an awesome resource. If you don't have that, you obviously can go to her website, uh, the website, ellenwhite.com, and you can get that there. That's been really powerful for me. Um, another, another website that maybe some of you have seen before is called uh, Blue Letter Bible dot um, org and um, why is it because I'm mirrored I'm sure that's what it is let me fix this real quick um, I'll just mirror my display okay so what I see you see all right so um, this website is kind of cool you can you can uh, type in a passage of scripture like John 3.16, and then what happens is you can, um, there are different little links here that will help you to understand something. For instance, if you click on C, that is a, a, the Hebrew and Greek. So if you're wanting to find out what the words are, you can, you can access, access that online. So you can, do, you can find out, uh, like this, just before the meeting started, Nestor and I were talking, I was like, I wonder what that word food is in the Hebrew. And, and you can go to, I went to that website on my iPhone. If you're, if you're a smartphone guy or a lady, um, you know, those, that's a free app for you iPhone people. Um, so Blue Letter Bible, awesome resource. Another one is the version Bible. If, if you're an iPhone or an iPod or pad user, what's great about this, this website is you not only can um, read it, online if it's on your phone you can download whatever version you like and you don't need internet to access it does that make sense you can actually download it onto your phone you also can any passage of scripture you hit a button and it becomes audible so if you don't have the bible in audio form you version it's all free uh, they have specific versions that you can you can access but you literally just hit a button and then you're listening to the bible on on your phone so i'm not sure if they have this for android users or anything like that but they definitely have it uh, on the website, uversion.com. This is something else that you can, you can go on and you can type in your notes, and your notes will pop up as well, and you can save them on the website so that no matter where you access it on, on your computer, at, at a work computer, on your phones, those notes will stick with you, and that's a really cool little, uh, and it, th those are all free, but uh, uversion.com. And then, obviously, Google. <laughs> If I'm, if I'm studying about a passage and I'm, and I'm wanting to know about a city or I want to know the distance or how things are, I just Google it. It's so awesome. What did people do beside, before Google? But you just, uh, where's tired? Show me the image. Bam, that pops up. And then you can, you can see all these amazing things that, you know, the pioneers had to go to the library to figure out. So, or they had these big, you know, scrolls or whatever, maps. Um, so, uh, Let's get back here. Where's my clicker? All right. So once we, once you, you want to get those things all set up, and again with the computer, it's really easy to do. 
and then you uh, go through and ask yourself some questions on, on how does it apply with you today. So what I like to do is try to be as interactive as possible. I like to go to a passage of scripture and then see uh, how this all plays out. If you have your Bibles, go to the book of Matthew chapter 15. We're going to, if time permits, go through two specific uh, stories in the Bible. And then that could cause you to say, you know, why, why does it say this? And uh, going through the trivial points in it, I think we'll find some, some cool things out. All right, we're going to go to Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. Have you ever read that? I, I don't, well, let's read it, and then, I'll, and then I'll ask you if you've ever had a problem with this passage of Scripture. But again, before we read, what do we want to do? Pray. Pray. Amen. So let's have a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll begin. Dear Lord, thank you for the, uh, the privilege and honor to get into your word today. I pray that it, is, that it would speak to our hearts. Lord, thank you for giving this to us and uh, show us the lessons that you would have us learn today. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Uh, can I get a volunteer to read the first uh, four verses and then someone read the last four? Will you read the first four? Thank you. Who wants to read the? Okay, last. Thank you. Okay, so let's look at some of the trivial, trivial pieces, these small descriptors, and, um, and let's see if, if, if by doing some deeper research into it, if it might bring out the story. Uh, by the way, how many of you have, any, have read this story before and had a problem with it? Anyone? Okay, why do you have a problem with it? Right, Jesus is being rude. Sure, and that would be a sin, and apparently he never sinned, so how's that? Great. Especially if you're a woman, like, you know, I don't know. Is he, does he not think that we're worthy of talking, you know, calling me a dog? Can you imagine if, you know, if you, you went to, uh, I don't know who your favorite speaker is this day, you know, uh, we're, you know being from Sacramento area. Imagine you went to see Doug Batchelor. And uh, after the sermon, you're like, you know, hey, Pastor Batch, I just want to tell you, I just really enjoyed your sermon. I was, you know, I was wondering if you could, you know, give me some tips on how to study. And he turned to you, you know, you're a dog. <laughs> you're, you're a dog. I mean, that's what you heard. Now, he might not have said that, but I mean, you, you're like, what? What? I hate you. <laughs> you know, whatever, you know. And, but I mean, in essence, the, the, this girl comes up and, you know, look, you know help me. And, and it's not good to take the food and, you know, cast it to the dogs. So, yeah, that's a serious issue. Anyone else? Or is that basically the same problem that you've had? Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's get into some of the trivial points or some of the descriptors. What are some words that pop out at you that you might say, yeah, I wonder what this has to do with it? Anything in here? Any cities? Any numbers? Any? Uh, I, I, I do. I go city, numbers, animals, history. Anything? What, what's in this text? We'll pull it out and then we'll, we'll, we'll address it. First verse, we have a location, right? Okay, so we're going to type that in, Tyre and... Okay, what else? Okay, there's Galilee. Okay, so what we're looking for right now is we're just looking for... You know, just some small details. We're not, we're not looking for broad principles. Those will come out in, in full force. Uh, 
Okay, so she's a Canaanite, right? Okay. All right. We've got a, you know, someone's demon-possessed. You might say, well, that's not a small detail, but... Um, is it two S's? I think it is. Okay. Um, we got we got dog here. We got we got a dog. Okay. All right. I'm gonna make this a little bit smaller so we can see them all. All right. So see here's some of the see here's some some small details in this Bible study. So see what's going on. Now let me ask you a question. It says that he went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. So in this verse, he where did he leave from? Well, that we have to look and see. So if you if you back up verses twenty through fifteen to twenty, we see him explaining a parable. So that doesn't give the description. You could back up to verse fifteen, or chapter fifteen, verse one. If we keep backing up. Do we see where they're from or where they're at? Well, it says there's Pharisees that came from Jerusalem, but that doesn't say where they're, where they're at. You keep backing up, and they find in verse 34 of chapter 14, where are they at? They're at Genesaret. Now, we need to figure out where that is from a map perspective. Um, make sure I spell this right. Okay, this is going to be cool. All right, so let's go on our map here. If you have a map, um, oh, you can't even see it. So can you see this laser? You guys see that laser back there? All right, here's Tyre. And then if you work your way up, this is the area of Tyre and Sidon. Okay? All right. That's where he met her. Okay? He came from Gennesaret, which is right here. Make sense? Right, so just remember that. Now, another thing we want to do is we also want to see if there's any other part of, of Scripture that speaks to this event, right? So is the story anywhere else in the Bible? That's the question you want to ask. And if you use your concordance, like whether you use online concordance, whether you use the good old-fashioned Strong's book, but you want to find out if this story is anywhere else in the Bible. Um, there's a thing that's called Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. That's a great resource, too. If you type in a word, it'll tell you where it is anywhere else in the Bible, and that can help you as well. This story happens actually to be also in Mark chapter 7. So if you go to Mark chapter 7, we'll see if there's any other details that we need to add into. And once uh, we get done with it, you, I, I really think you're going to, this is going to get cool here very quickly. So we're in Mark chapter 7. We're going to read verses 24 through 31. And if I could get someone to read the first four verses again, and then someone read the last four. Anybody interested in reading? Okay, thank you. Will you read the verse four? First four? Can I get Adam? Okay, thanks. Do the last four. Perfect. Okay, good. Now, um... She, again, Mark says that she was a what? She's a Greek. Some say, uh, some versions don't say Greek, they say what? Okay, well, a Syrophoenician afterwards. Some say Gentile. But if, what was she to the children of Israel? 
Yeah, despise. Matthew's version says she's a Canaanite. What do we know about Canaanite? You start doing some, some studying of the history. Canaanites lived in, this is going to be a kind of an obvious question. Where do Canaanites live in? Canaan. Thank you. All right, so when God's people went into Canaan, what were they supposed to do? Kill all of the Canaanites. If you go back to Old Testament history and study it, did they do that? They let some of them live. Did that, was that a problem? Absolutely. They raced back up, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a terrible thing for them. So she was the enemy. Now, early in the story, let's, let's back up. Early in the story, what was, if you look in, in the, you look the earlier chapter of the story in, in Mark or in Matthew, he's trying to talk to who? trying to talk to the Jews. And the leaders of the Jews who sit at the table are getting after him for doing what? Well, if you look in verse, uh, chapter 7, if we're in Mark still, um, verse 2, they get after them for eating, right? Bread with unclean hands. So it's about eating, Correct. And he's trying to talk to the children of Israel. Maybe they're all sitting at the table. And the leaders come and say, you can't eat. Because you're not clean. Now, it's interesting. Again, if you want to do deeper research, and that's the whole part of this, this, this approach, you study the Jews had all kinds of crazy rituals. Uh, if your hands were even clean, you had to go through this ritual to act like you're clean. Matter of fact, you could wash your hands without any water. You could just be doing this and this. and But because they sat down and they were just, you know, I'm hungry, they started eating, they were getting after them because they hadn't gone through a Jewish ritual. You with me? So, was Jesus sitting at the table with the children of Israel? I mean, they were, they're eating, right? So, so he, was, he was literally physically eating. Was it at a table? I'm not sure. But he was physically eating with the chosen people. Okay, now he's where? Well, if we look here, he is, says he was at the Sea of Galilee in, in Gennesaret. So these guys start talking to him. Jesus responds to him. I, I think it's probably fair to say he was frustrated with the chosen, the frozen chosen. So what he does is he goes all the way to Tyre and Sidon. Now, how far is that? Well, if you look, if you look here, you'll see on the map, uh, this is roughly tw 20 miles right here, right? So if we go from here to here, you want to guess, 40 miles? He gets up and he goes 40 miles. Now, according to the scriptures, the only thing that happens here, huh? He walked. He walked 40 miles. The only thing that happens here is he runs into this woman. As soon as the story's over, he turns around and where does he go? Back to Sea of Galilee. So the question you have to ask yourself is, Jesus, who wasn't like an airhead or anything, he did everything he was told, as the Father told him, explain to me why he was here. He went 40 miles here, met one lady, and turned around and walked 40 miles back. Do you think Jesus cared for this woman? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Isn't that cool? It's a little trivial thing that if we don't study and we don't look into, we don't get the full detail of the story and we think, you know, we could get a wrong impression of Christ. Now, as he's coming, by the way, those of you that have, have been through the, the previous two um, sessions, a couple of things. If you project yourself into this person, into different people in the story, like we did in the first breakout, this story really gets, uh, it's amazing. So, secondly, if you read what Ellen White has to say about the story as well, it really enhances, and, and, we'll, and we'll get into that. Um, but uh, let's go back to Matthew 15 on this. And see what happens here. Verse 22, she's crying out. Oh Lord, here's another point. She says, Son of David, have mercy on me. So what is she saying when she says, Son of David? Yeah. And she's calling him something. She's saying, I know who you are. and I believe you to be the Messiah. That's powerful. Here's this Canaanite who's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, where did he just leave? The frozen chosen, all of the leaders who he was a part of, who he came to save, and they reject him, right? Here's this Canaanite saying, I believe you are who you say you are. Now, okay, so you're visualizing this in your mind, right? You're a disciple. How are you feeling right now? You're tired. I just walked 40 miles. Why are we here? I don't like this town. It's dirty. It's full of Canaanites. This is not where we're supposed to be. We need to be back in Jerusalem. Or at least to the Sea of Galilee. Why are we even here? They're annoyed with it. Look at verse um, 23. What do they say to Jesus? Send her away. Get her out of here. Why do they think that way? Why aren't they saying, heal her? Because isn't that what he does all the time? Why don't they say, hey, Jesus, why don't you heal her? She's despised. And, and what, are the, what is their opinion of her? Right, and, and so are they supposed to help her? No. Now, right, yeah. Aren't you supposed to kill her? Why is she even alive? Now, is that the message that Jesus is trying to give? No, but you know, I don't know if the I don't I don't I don't know if the the proper word is not sarcasm, but have you ever tried to over exaggerate a point to get someone to understand you, like go the opposite way? So Jesus intentionally is ignoring this girl. Now. Does he want to help her? 
hey, just walk 40 miles. How many of you have ever walked 40 miles in a row intentionally? Oh, well, I broke down once. <laughs> you know, but I mean, like, you know, I was like, I, I, I'm going to walk 40. He walked 40 miles. He, he was doing what the Father told him to do. He knew what he had to do. And then Jesus' response is quite, quite interesting. He says, uh, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, if you're a disciple, what are you thinking? Right? Now, if you're the woman, what are you thinking? Right. Oh, no. Right. But does she give up? No. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you have ever seen this? I hope you haven't. Maybe you have. How many of you have ever seen a frantic woman who is pleading for their child? Has anyone ever seen that? You have? It's terrible. Have you ever seen a woman screaming begging for their child? Oh, it's the worst. Please help my daughter. Please help my son, whatever. Help my baby. No, no, nothing. Have you ever seen a woman who, <laughs> specifically a mother, you ever seen a mother who needs something for their kid and they're told no? I mean, they're like, they, they get aggressive. Oh, you're going to help me. Right? I'm not going to take no. My mother, I remember as a kid, you know, she needed something for us and someone who wasn't listening, she did not care where the line was drawn, where the desk began, whatever policy, she was coming through, whatever she needed to do to help her baby. Imagine if you're a disciple and you hear this mother pleading and he says, I was only supposed to, you know, come for the lost sheep of Israel. Some of you, I think you're right, I think the disciples were like, yeah, amen. But some of you meant like, man, this is kind of embarrassing. She's begging, probably crying. Mark says she fell at his feet. Can you imagine someone coming at your feet? If, 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 if uh, imagine as a pastor, the pastor's talking about love. Love your brother. If he, needs a, if he needs something, give it to him. You know, give him your tunic and your cloak. And he's talking of heavenly things. And then a woman that comes to his feet crying, begging for the daughter. And uh, uh, he goes, you know, <laughs> I only came for the lost sheep of Israel. How would you feel towards Christ? You might think, wow. Right. Yeah. It's uncomfortable when someone's begging you to do something and you're at conflict over it. Right. And what Jesus is doing is interesting. He cares just as much for her and her child as he does the disciples, and he's trying to meet all of their needs. This is great. So he says, he says uh, uh, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, this is really cool. The lady hears that. Is she, is she deterred by it? No. It's at this point, and Ellen White says this, as soon as he said that, she saw that there was an opportunity. Now think this through. Dogs. What do dogs do? Well, if you're eating at, you're eating at a table and you look down and you see a dog, what's a dog do? Yeah, he just stares at you, right? And what's he hoping? He's hoping two things. First one is what? That you'll give it to him, right? The second thing, if that doesn't work, he's hoping to... Yeah, maybe they'll get sloppy and... <laughs> Either way, as a dog, what are you going to get? Food. 
So she's thinking, hey. So the, the, when she responds, she says, hey. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. What she's saying is, hey, if you just get sloppy with your blessings, I'll eat them up. <laughs> I mean, that's great faith. And Jesus says, oh, woman. That's so great. I love it. Oh, woman. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Some, you know, in our, in our current culture, sometimes we think, oh, man, you know, woman that's, you know, hey, if I came, hey, what's up, woman? You know, you would probably think, wow, well, who do you think you are? But it was actually a great, uh, um, it, was a, it was a term of endearment. Who, what does he say to his mother when he's on the cross? Woman. Right. What does he say at Canaan the, when they're turning the water into wine? Woman, what do you have to do? This? It's a term of, term of endearment. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you wish. Now, here's the question. Is she sitting at the table? You better believe she's sitting at the table. She's eating. She's feasting from the Lord. Who have become the dogs, if you will? The priests and the Pharisees at back who drove him out of town and said didn't want anything to do with it. Jesus is, te- Jesus, Jesus is teaching a very huge lesson here. And, and, it's, and it's simply this. I will walk 40 miles for only one reason, to reach the lost. Whether they're, whether they're Jews or they're Canaanites, that's what I'm about. And he teaches, it's just such a powerful lesson. And when you, when you dig into the trivia portions of this, it comes alive. And then a story that you thought, man, that's kind of harsh, it, all of a sudden it's sweet. He walked all the way up there for her and then came back down. And he does the same thing for you. He did even greater than that. He left his throne up in heaven, which is I don't know how many miles away. (laughs) Came down and took on the form that was beneath him worse than a dog. Ellen White says that if he would have taken on the form of Adam before he sinned, it would have been embarrassing. But he came and he did that for you. Isn't that awesome? Such a powerful, powerful passage. Okay, I want to do another one real quick. This is a very cool passage. Uh, John, this will be our last one. John chapter 20. Um, 21. John chapter 21. Because of our time restraints, I'm going to tell you just a little bit of the story here. Um, but we're going to focus on 15 through 17. This is a pretty famous passage in Scripture. John's 21, verses 15 through 17. And uh, we're going we're to go through this and, and talk about uh, some languages here and the, the trivial portions here. Uh, first of all, after, after uh, earlier on in verse 3, Simon and some of the other disciples, specifically James and John are in there, Thomas is in there, Nathaniel, they go out fishing. Now why are they going fishing? Well, they need money. That's what you do. They fish all night and they don't catch a thing. Now, they go on specifically, here are the details. They're in the Sea of Galilee, right? Is that correct? Sea of Tiberias, which is Galilee. And so if you're in the Sea of Galilee and you're fishing all night and you used to be with Jesus and this is after the resurrection, what are you thinking about the whole time? Oh, you remember when Jesus walked on water? Remember when you fell in, Peter? <laughs> remember that storm? Remember all the times we had on the boat? Remember the things he taught us? This is so cool. That was so cool. But now he's gone. 
And they were discouraged and they're despondent. If you're Peter right now, after the resurrection, how big do you feel? About this big. You denied your Lord three times, right? Now, you get a voice calling from the shore, hey, catch anything? Which is like the question when anyone fishes. Hey, you catch anything? No. Now, you've got to fish at night. Why? Because in the clear waters, if you're throwing a net and you throw it in the daytime, they're fish, you know, they're dumb, but they're not that dumb. Right? So he's like, yeah, throw your net on the other side. Now, again, these are the details, the, the, the trivia that comes out. Uh, they catch all this fish. They catch 153. Now, here's a number that I wish I knew. I've been trying to figure out what that is, but I don't know what 153 stands for. I'd love to know. Someone suggested that that's how many people Jesus reached in the book of John. Now, I don't, I, I don't know about that because I find that hard to believe that I couldn't count 153 in the book. But, but uh, I don't know what that number is. I would love to know. Uh, but it fills up with fish, and then John says what? He says, it's the Lord. What does Peter do? He immediately jumps in the water and leaves all of this money and swims straight to Jesus. Now, this is a very interesting thing. It says, Peter goes, and then everyone else came on the boat. If you study the life of the disciples, who is the one that always hung out with Christ? Like he was clingy. John. Peter was Peter, was Peter, James, and John, but whenever you hear about John, John is always sitting next to him. Remember when Andrew and John see uh, Jesus for the first time? Andrew runs and gets Peter. What's John do? Oh, I'm staying right here. Peter beelines it to Christ, beats John, probably because it was a swimming race. Maybe Peter was a better swimmer, but apparently John was faster. When they're running to the tomb, John got there before Peter. Right? This is a little, little trivia thing, but it's kind of interesting. Peter runs to him, and then John has this discourse. Or, Peter, excuse me. And then, yeah, John, the book of John has this discourse between Peter and Christ that is amazing. And if you read it, it really doesn't necessarily make sense. But if you bring in the richness of the language that was written in, in Greek, all of a sudden it pops and it becomes very cool. So let's, let's read these three verses. If you've heard this before, you're like, oh yeah, this is very cool. If you've never heard it before, you're going to like this. Uh, verses 15 through 17. So could somebody read that, please? <clears throat> of John 21, 15 through 17. All right. Now, in, in, in this, a couple of things that's interesting here. One is he has this conversation when they get done eating, the food that he helped them get. Um, he actually uh, provides this wonderful breakfast when they get there. They sit down, and um, he asks him about love. Now, in the Greek, there are three forms of the word of love. In my Bible, I happen to have a Hebrew and Greek Bible. It's, I like it. It's got wide margins. It works for me. But there's numbers by certain words that help you identify if there's a difference. And if you use your concordance, you can do the same thing. Blue letter Bible, same thing. You can, you can use it as, a, as a, a reference and see that there's a different word for love. In the Bible, for those of you that have studied this before, there are three types of love. Do you know what it is? Agape, which means what? Pure, Pure everlasting love, right? The second one is? Yeah, philios, which is where we, it's like a brotherly love, right? Friendship. By the way, you've ever heard of the city called Philadelphia? It's the city of brotherly love. That's what it means. Okay, and then the third one is, uh, what's, what's the third love? 
Eros, that's more erotic, different type of love. We're not going to be using Eros in this discussion, but uh, uh, if you go through and you study the Greek, we're going to reread this passage again, and then I, I'll, I'll show you what, which Greek love is being used, and then see if it makes a difference for you, okay, in these, these details. Verse 15, they finished breakfast. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these? By the way, before we continue on, how many times did, he, Peter, did he ask Peter this question? Three times. How many times did Peter deny Christ? Three times. Right? How do the disciples feel towards Peter after the resurrection? I don't know. Maybe some despised him. You, know, you ditched him at the end. They might not have felt too bad because everyone did. But Peter was really bad. He was one like, no one, I will never leave you. I'm going to cut off a guy's ear. You know, I'm going to, I was probably, he was probably going for his head and he ducked and clipped his ear. I mean, seriously, he's trying to, Peter was, Peter was willing to, to go to battle, but he wasn't necessarily willing to submit and, and, and do what he did. But anyway, Peter is feeling horrible. Matter of fact, I believe that the only difference between Peter and Judas, they both denied him. They both betrayed him. But where Judas ran and hung himself, Peter prophesies that Peter ran back to the Gethsemane, to where Jesus had prayed earlier. And he wept bitterly and, 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 and begged for forgiveness there. And because he went back to Christ, he's still alive now. But Jesus wanted to restore him. So when, when, when Peter had um, denied him three times, now Jesus asked him three times. And here's what he says. Simon, do you agape me? And then Peter, obviously after what he did, he said, Lord, you know that I, and here's the Greek word, you know that I phileos you. You know that I've given you the love of a friend. I didn't agape you, I phileos you. He says, oh, tend my lambs. Then he says again, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileos you. He said, shepherd my sh sheep. Then 17, he says, Simon, son of John. Now here it is. He goes, do you phileos me? Is that all you got, Peter? You just, you just want to be my buddy, my friend? Not, you don't have everlasting love for me? And that's why it says Peter was grieved because he said to them the third time, do you phileos me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileos you. And he says, tend my sheep. Huh? What Jesus is saying is this. I still have a work for you to do, Peter. I know that you have betrayed me in the past, but I will not forsake you. I still have a work for you to do. I still love you, Peter. You're going to do great things for me, Peter. Remember, Peter, you're the little pebble. And I'm going to set you upon me. And the devil, the gates of Hades, won't stand against a chance against your church, my church. I'm going to use you, Peter. It's going to be okay. Now, what does Peter do from this? Well, later on, like I said, you go read it as it continues on in the book of Acts. They bring him to the same spot and they say, okay, tell us who you're speaking of, Peter. And Peter goes, Jesus Christ. He's the name that you crucified. He's my God. And Peter is a rock from then on. 
Not only is he a rock, when they, when he, at the end of his life, tradition says that when he was going to be killed, they were going to crucify him. He goes, no, I don't deserve to be killed in the same way of Christ. Turn me upside down. And they crucified him upside down. Wow. Well, to end, the question is, how can you apply that? How can you apply these things in your life? Those two stories that we talked about, how can, that, how can you make that your own? How can you apply that today? Anybody? Um, what does this tell you about God? What are these stories the, of, the, of the Canaanite woman and about Peter? What does it tell you about God? And then, and then finally, pray for an opportunity to share it. You know, if you come across somebody who says, God can never love me because I've done so many wrong things to him. Well, let me tell you about a guy named Peter. God can never love me because my whole life has been in opposition to him. Let me tell you about this woman who no one, everyone said he was no good but Jesus walked 80 miles for. I mean, this is solid food. Amen? Amen. One thing, the, the woman is very persistent. Yes. Be never persistent with the Lord. Yeah. Never give up. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much. Let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer in closing. If you, again, if you wanted this presentation at all, I have a card here. If you want to email me or address, I would happy, be happy to send it to you. Um, God bless all of you, and, and um, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for not giving up on us. Thank you for wanting to have a relationship with us. Thank you for giving, uh, loving us with an everlasting love. Lord, help us to respond with all of our life, devoting everything we got to you, fully engaged in an eternal loving relationship with you. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.